Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Good morning. Today we're going to be talking about legacy and the power of a life well lived. David, that uh, intro just started over again. Okay, I'm not sure why it's happening. (laughs) Well, praise be to God. Good morning to you, David. Good morning, Joe. I uh, hope you're feeling better today. Hope you got a little bit more sleep than yes, uh, last night, uh, the other night. Well, I would love to know why the intro is playing all over again, but uh, God's will be done in all things. Uh, you know, when, Monday was the hardest day, the technical issues, trying to work it out while Adrian Fonseca and I are out sick. Uh, apparently, uh, d- doesn't mean I get to take the day off, but at any rate, we're going to have a great show today. We're going to have... Uh, uh, a, c- a conversion story today from uh, Professor Michael Pakolik is going to be our guest again. Now, you might recall Professor Pakolik, uh, I think I figured it out on my end. Uh, Professor Michael Pakolik, he wrote the uh, the book of Vo- Mary's Voice in the Gospel According to John, and he's going to be back on our program today, praise be to God. And then uh, Kevin Wells is also returning to the program today to talk about the, the life of of the priest and beggar, uh, Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Uh, so we're going to have two returning guests today. It's going to be very good. Now, the last time Professor McCulloch was on, we talked about his book, Mary's Voice and the Gospel According to John, which I found fascinating. I, I mean, I love the Gospel of John, and uh, in particular because we know that the, the beloved disciple took Our Lady into his home uh, at the foot of the cross, and she lived with him. And uh, what a beautiful thing to be able to read the, the gospel and sort of reflect on the heart of our of Our Lady. And uh, so he wrote that book. But today I want to ask him about his somewhat miraculous, incredible uh, conversion experience from atheism while he was at Harvard. So he'll be on in the uh, 15 past the hour. And then, like I said, Kevin Wells is returning uh, to talk about Aloysius Schwartz. So it's going to be a great program today. We're very excited. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. I am surviving it. How are you? Yes, I'm surviving as well, but <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm thriving compared to you. But thanks be to God, I'm, I'm happy that you are doing better today. Uh, well, I thought I, I got sleep last night, praise God. Yes, so that uh, that helped a little bit, but uh, t- I'm, I'm really struggling at the moment with... Uh, we're feeling very nauseous, but uh, yeah, it's okay. God's will be done. We're going to be fine. Uh, so many. Pe- In fact, today our guest uh, Aloysius Schwartz. I mean, Kevin's going to tell me how heroic he was. No matter the boy had Lou Gehrig's disease, and he still soldiered on. So, what excuse have I? Probably not much. So we'll 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 do our best today. Um, and we already greeted uh, David Magianis again. Thanks for helping us uh, this week, David. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm I'm uh, trying to learn everything here. It's a lot of lot of moving parts, Joe. You didn't tell me that part. I didn't uh, share that with you before you showed up. No, mm. you did not. That's okay. So should I tell uh, Adrian to continue his vacation? No, or? no, no. Uh, Adrian, we we hope you're listening. Uh, we're hoping you're getting better as well. So uh, you'll need to give us an update one of these hours days. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we're going to jump into our hour. Like I said, we have a, a lot to cover today in this particular hour. It's going to be Professor Michael Pakolik. He teaches ethics at CUA. And then Kevin Wells. And then, of course, in the next hour, if you're at all able to join us, we would love to have you. We're playing our Fear and Trembling game show. And uh, by the grace of God, we were able to take calls yesterday, so we'll do so again today. And some lucky caller will be will have an opportunity to get in on the prize this week, which, uh, Janelle, who again is our, our game show sponsor? Our game show sponsor is Humble Heart Rosaries. They will be donating two, not just one, two special rosaries to uh, for our game show prize. Thank you, Humble Heart Rosaries. Uh All right. Thank you, Humble Heart Rosaries. All right, let's pray, and then we'll dive into the news with Janelle, and then uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and we will we'll continue on with our incredible show this uh, this morning. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay. Looking at the headlines today, abuse allegation against retired Buffalo auxiliary under investigation. Despite Vatican protest, anti-homophobia bill survives hurdles in Italian Senate. Reported by Crooks, Olympic athletes to be barred from Tokyo churches due to COVID. As Tokyo readies to welcome thousands of the world's top athletes later this month for the Olympics, the local archbishop has announced that, regrettably, no Catholic parish will be able to welcome them due to the spread of COVID-19, as the Japanese city is once again in a state of emergency. Archbishop Tarshisio Oseo Kukuchi announced his decision in a message to the faithful of Tokyo published by ukanews.com on July 12th. In it, he explains that the provisions issued by the Archdiocese on June 20th remain in place, while new ones were issued that will keep athletes from receiving pastoral attention from the Archdiocese. Among the restrictions that were already in place is a limited number of faithful allowed to take part in in in-person celebrations and limiting attendance at liturgical events to registered parishioners only. In addition, the elderly and the sick are encouraged to pray at home. Parish meetings are to be online, and there needs to be a transparent barrier between priest and the penitent during the sacrament of confession. These measures were implemented to try to control the spread of the coronavirus infections, and the prelate said in late June they would remain in place, even if the government lifted the state of emergency. Now that the government of Japan has issued a fourth declaration of a state of emergency for Tokyo's metropolitan area, He's insisting that not only are they still in place, but will also impact the athletes. The alert affects some 38 million people who live in the greater Tokyo area, considered the most populated metropolitan area in the world. In Monday's statement, Kikuchi announced invited athletes and those who accompany them during their time in Japan to refrain from visiting churches, recalling that the guiding principle followed by the Church of Tokyo in the pandemic has always been not to infect oneself and not to allow others to be infected. The games will be held mainly in the Tokyo metropolitan area, and with the government's declaration of a state of emergency, there are expected to take place without live audience. 
However, the bishop wrote, The gathering of the athletes and their support staff coming from all over the world raises concerns about causing further increase in the number of coronavirus cases. For the past years, the Tokyo Archdiocese had originally been considering preparations so that each parish may be able to address the spiritual needs of the many people who would come to Japan for this international event, Kikuchi wrote. However, we have decided to cancel all plans and thus will not take any special involvement in the Olympics and the Paralympics. Kikuchi also said that even though a national vaccination program is progressing, highlighting that he's been vaccinated as well as the Holy Father, it won't be mandatory to show proof of vaccination to attend Mass. I'm Janelle Lay, and those are your headline news for Wednesday, July 14th. God love you. Our saint of the day is Saint Saint Kateri Tekawitha. She was born in 1656 at Osirnion, which is modern-day New York. She is the daughter of a Christian of a Christian Algonquin woman captured by Iroquois and married to a non-Christian Mohawk chief. She was orphaned during a smallpox epidemic, which left her with a scarred face and impaired eyesight. She converted and was baptized in 1676 by Father Jacques de Lamberville, a Jesuit missionary. Shunned and abused by relatives for her faith, she escaped through 200 miles of wilderness to the Christian native American village of Salt St. Marie took a vow of chastity in 1679, and she is known for spirituality and austere lifestyle. She is a miracle worker. Her grave became a pilgrimage site and place of miracles for Christian Native Americans and French colonists. She is the first Native American proposed for canonization, and her cause was started in 1884 under Pope Leo XIII. The Tekawitha Conference, an international association of Native American Catholics and those in ministry with them, was named for her. She died April 17, 1680, at Cognawaga, Canada, of natural causes. She was canonized April 21, 2012, by, by Pope Benedict XVI. St. Kateri Tekawitha, pray for us. Not easy to say, huh? Not easy. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 27. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I want to thank verboom.com forward slash GRN for giving us the tool to make it easy to dive deep into the gospel reflection today, getting to the early church fathers, some incredible commentaries, very, very quick, very easy. We appreciate that. Verboom.com forward slash GRN. Thank you for generously sponsoring a portion of our program today. Uh, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible points out, like, it's like we interrupt this condemnation. You remember yesterday, it was like, woe to you, Corzine, woe to you, Bethsaida, you know, 
Noah, it'd be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for you in the day of judgment, which is saying something, by the way. Look, do you remember how bad Sodom and Gomorrah actually were? Well, uh, we interrupt all of that condemnation to bring to you this prayer between uh, the Son and the Father, which is pretty powerful. Uh, kind of also reminds us a little bit of John's gospel. This is Matthew we're talking about, but it sounds very reminiscent to the, the prayer uh, in the uh, upper room in uh, in John's gospel. It's very sort of similar themes here. But uh, Ignatius Catholic Study Bible said, Jesus' Thanksgiving prayer stands in contrast to the preceding narrative. Well, while several towns reject Christ, there is a remnant, including the disciples, who trust him with the simplicity of infants. So even though the scribes and the Pharisees have rejected him, uh, his disciples have not. Even though the majority of these towns have rejected him, even though they've received so many uh, miracles, that's what we talked about yesterday, uh, still, uh, there are the disciples, they are the apostles that come from these towns that uh, have accepted him. Gloss would say, uh, because the Lord knew that many would doubt respecting the foregoing matter, namely, that the Jews would not receive Christ, whom the Gentiles uh, had so willingly received, he here makes answer to their thoughts. So, this prayer is uh, in some ways a response to those thoughts of some of those uh, who rejecting him. Um, Jesus' language is similar to several statements in John's Gospel. This is Ignatius Catholic Study Bible saying this, that articulate his unique relationship with the Father. The intimacy between the Father and the Son points to their oneness within the Blessed Trinity. Their shared divine knowledge implies a shared divine nature, which is interesting to me. So when I went through the, the Father's... Um, uh, on this passage, there was a lot of conversation about heretics that reject Christ's divinity. Um, they're referencing this prayer as a, sort of a proof text, if you will, that uh, Christ, the Jesus, shares in the divinity of God the Father. And that, as Augustine would say, there is nothing that the Father who begot the Son doesn't share with the Son. They share exactly everything, uh, including with the Holy Ghost. So it's pretty powerful stuff. Now, the Navarre passage says, uh, the Navarre commentary said, this passage is a real jewel because it is the first recorded instance of Jesus addressing God as Father in a prayer. I find that fascinating. It says, because it shows him to know God and to have received everything from him, and because Jesus declares that he will reveal God to us if we are humble in heart. You know, and that reminds me of Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven. nothing unclean will enter into heaven in the beatific vision. Thus, those that are going to be saved generally go through purgatory to be cleaned up and prepared for the banquet. Um, but humility is a big part. Uh, to be like God, to be one with God, one must be humble. And, uh, and so many of us struggle with pride. And this is an opportunity to remind ourselves that Jesus himself uh, led the way in, in humility as a conquering of pride. There's so much more that can be said. I'll save some of that for the next hour. But thank you again, bearboom.com forward slash GRN. We're going to go to break. Dr. McCulloch is our guest when we come back. So we'll have the drive time is headed your way. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. 
At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Kevin Wells is going to be our guest. He has a a book out called uh, Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. And uh, today, sort of our theme is legacy, the power of a life well lived. And uh, joining us once again on our program, uh, welcome back to the show, is Professor Michael Pokolik, Professor of Ethics at Catholic University of America. Good morning to you, Professor Pokolik. Hey, Joe. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. The last time we had you on, uh, we were talking about Mary's voice in the gospel according to John, which I found utterly fascinating. And we could go back to talking about that again. But if it's okay with you, I thought it might be uh, really incredible to have you share with us uh, your conversion story a bit here. Um, when you were at Harvard and and you nearly died and it led to you becoming uh, eventually a Catholic. And I would love for you to share that if you could. Oh, that's a great story. Well, um, I was kind of a practicing atheist in college. I had fallen away from whatever nominal uh, religion my parents taught me. And um, it was a summer on Long Island. I lived on Long Island, and I went fishing with a friend I regarded as an evangelical Christian. I was kind of drawn to him because he was a very joyful person, actually the only joyful person I knew in my whole life. And uh, we went fishing one morning. He told me to bring bait. I brought, um, I don't know, some kind of like salamanders I found under a rock. They weren't really very good bait. And so we spent the whole morning fishing. We caught nothing. Um, so we decided instead to pull our boats up on on the uh, bay side of a barrier island on the south shore of Long Island. And we ran across this barrier island. It's about 50 yards wide at that point. Ran into the ocean with our sneakers on and our, and our clothes and so on. There's a tremendous riptide. It pulled us out to sea. Um, he was a strong swimmer. He got back. I could not get back. I was drawn out 300, 400 yards out to sea. Um, and I panicked wow. and I, I lost my, my strength. I, I really believed I was going to drown it by all human, uh, lights. I was going to drown. So my friend is on the shore and he gets down on his knees and he says, God save Michael, because if he dies, he's going to hell. He doesn't, he doesn't believe in you. He hasn't committed his life to Jesus Christ. Well, 
a few, um, you know, a minute later, these, these three men come walking down the beach from, um, by the way, we, we, you know, we approach this beach from the boat. There are no roads. It's like miles away from any roads. Um, his, uh, my friend's father had fished on this area for 20 years. He never saw anybody on this beach. So wow. three men, three come, men come walking along the beach. They're all very athletic. They're wearing like speedo bathing suits. He points out to, to, you know, to me out there uh, drowning. And one of them jumps into the water, swims out to me. And pulls me directly in against a riptide, apparently, right? You know, what you're supposed to do in riptide is, yeah. is go parallel to the shore and let the riptide bring you back in. Um, and then he kind of dropped me. Um, it was very strange. He dropped me in about two feet of water. And I was actually not strong enough at that point to prop myself up. I would, would have drowned in two feet of water. And he stood over me kind of contemptuously looking down at me. And I had to beg him to draw me up onto dry land, which I did. And then these three men just walked away. They didn't exchange like pleasantries or anything. They just just walked away. Um, and so there I was on the beach, and um, it's just between my freshman and sophomore year of college. And uh, yeah, it was not like a lot of college students not living particularly rational life. Um, looking back over my life on the beach, right there, saying if I had died, it would have been completely meaningless. I, I had no idea what the purpose of life was. My life was so. At that point, I kind of resolved to try to figure out the meaning of life. Hmm. And I, I met at that time um, in the next year of college, somebody I would end up marrying who was on a similar quest. And we ended up uh, becoming first evangelical Christians for a couple of years, but, you know, rather quickly became Catholic after. I mean, it seemed like an age was back then, but in, in the, in the, from the viewpoint of a life, it's, it was a very, very brief span from evangelical Christianity to, to Catholicism. Wow. Now, <laughs> three men on a beach. Um that obviously brings up memories of uh, Abraham, and uh, but in yeah, Abraham's right. case, in Abraham's case, he was begging for those three men not to destroy people. <laughs> yes, right. Three men, yeah, representing the Trinity, perhaps. You know, maybe they were angels. I, I've told this story a couple of times in uh, in shows, like TV uh, shows or podcasts, and so far, no one's come forward and said, "Yeah, I remember, I, I rescued you." I mean. My friend thought that, you know, later on, everybody thinks they're you know, probably angels. And it's just so strange. Like, he, he, nobody's on that beach. We got there by a boat. There's not even close to being a wow. road there. They walked to us from the point where there's an inlet. So there's actually ocean. If you go another, say, 500 yards west, there's just an ocean there. There's nothing there. So you know, how they ended up on the beach at exactly the same time when I needed to be saved. It's a miracle anyway you cut or sliced it yeah. right. <laughs> Whether they were angels or just a coincidence is another question. I I got caught in a riptide once when I was stationed in Hawaii uh, and I served in the Marine Corps. And I thought I was a decent swimmer. And, uh, you know, and all I could hear in my head was swim parallel, swim parallel. So (laughs) I I swam till my heart was content as parallel as I could and nearly drowned. (laughs) (laughs) So that doesn't necessarily work, right? (laughs) Well, and fun is funny because, you know, uh, in the gospel today, I was I was referencing a commentary on on pride and um and, uh, and humility and the need to be humble in order to enter into the beatific vision. Well, when I was drowning, <laughs> I got, to, I, I, there was lifeguards on the beach and I refused to call for help because I was a Marine. I should be able to handle this. <laughs> and, and, and I got to the point where I, I was exhausted. I couldn't swim anymore and I was not free of the, of the riptide and parallel wasn't working. And so I finally humbled myself and I said, okay, I will ask for help. And I started shouting and raising my hand and the lifeguard never got up and never came to my rescue. 
<laughs> I'm like, you what know, good is this? I, I can't you even know, when, be. <laughs> when I was about to drown out there, I thought to myself, okay, you're about to drown, Michael. It's really time you should start praying. And I said to myself, and think of how prideful this is. You know what? I haven't prayed up until, I haven't prayed up until this point. Why should I start praying now? Right. So I actually just deliberately refused to start praying in my pride. And which is good in retrospect, because I can claim no merit, no role whatsoever in what happened to me, right? And when I was on the shore, and I'd realized I'd just drowned, I was completely powerless, or almost would have, I would have drowned, but for this intervention, I did have this idea that, okay, I can't control things. I, You know, a lot of people walk around with a bizarre conceit that they are somehow divine and in control of the universe, <laughs> frankly. And and it was kind of if... Oh, I, 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 and later on, very, very soon after this, weeks after this, I realized I had come to the conclusion that I wasn't God after all. <laughs> and then therefore, maybe someone else was God. <laughs> you know, that, that re- reminds me of something. Every, you know, every, I think every year or whatever, that there's like a, a, a survey that's done sort of categorizing the states of the U.S. into how religious they are. And it, I'm always surprised to find Alaska as the least religious, you know, or, mm. or places like Maine or Vermont, New Hampshire. I mean, v- beautiful parts of our country, really uh, beautiful parts of our country. But yeah. uh, they always score really low on religiousness. And there's a variety of factors they use, like prayer life, how often you go to church, things like that. But um, when I asked the question, well, why Alaska? And it was because people there tend to feel like they can pull themselves up from their own bootstraps and they, they have their own destiny in their hands and, and, and they can, uh, they can make things, uh, happen by sheer willpower. And I think that's true for so many of us. Uh, we, 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 we don't allow ourselves to be, uh, placed gently into the hand of God and dependent totally upon Him. But there you were drowning and, and you were totally at His disposal no matter what pride you are feeling in your heart. Exactly. That's very interesting uh, comments. You know, this whole ethic of self-reliance, which we think is distinctively American, you know, does tend to erode Christianity. And you, paradoxically, maybe people who live in cities and see this interdependence are a little bit more aware of their own limitations. It's interesting. Uh, professor Michael Pakolik is our guest. He is a professor of ethics at uh, Catholic University of America. We have about uh, five more minutes here with you. Uh, now, let's talk about... Um, Let's talk about uh, purpose. Uh, so, uh, coming off of your conversion there, <laughs> or your experience of, uh, of, of what could have been angels, pra- praise be to God, do you think God might have saved you for a purpose? Do you think that he was being merciful? Do you think that he has a plan? I mean, I, I think it's an obvious answer, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are. You know, this movie, Saving Private Ryan, which probably resonates with you, given your military background, has always meant a lot to me. I mean, I think the the ending where the Tom Hanks character, uh, the captain, says, earn this to Ryan, right? That's, um, that's basically every veteran, every, every soldier who's been a casualty in war, you know, turning to us and saying, earn this. And, you know, our Lord can, you know, we don't like to talk about a response to the faith that has a character of um, corresponding. But obviously, we don't earn our salvation, but our Lord could look down from the cross and say to us, similarly, you know, earn this. And what that really means is make it so that this isn't pointless for you, right? And um, so, yeah, I've looked back at that moment many, many times and say, okay, what am I supposed to do with my life? How can I be fruitful? How can I respond to God's initiative and, and show that I'm grateful for the gift of life that I have? 
And, um, you know, so I've just tried to be uh, as attentive to his indications and to his will as possible and to, you know, to let him, you know, use me as an instrument. Uh, now, your life after the moment of, uh, of this powerful uh, saving of your life and, and led to your conversion wasn't all smooth sailing. You're, you lost a, a spouse after having many children. That must have been a real difficulty in your life. Tell us about that. Yeah, so that was similar. It's like a similar event in my life that has a similar role. Uh, you know, my this woman that I met in college, and she was on a similar quest. We converted together. Uh, we ended up, you know, throwing out uh, birth control, and uh, even before we became Catholics, we had seven children together. And she died of breast cancer at when I would still say is an early age. I mean, she died when she was forty years old of breast cancer and we had um six young children one had died of crib death so that was another cross so everybody's mm -hmm. life is filled with huge crosses and we don't like to talk about this they're they're silent for most of us but we each of us has you know rather serious cross and it's home you know personally tailored to us right so this um but you know i had very holy woman um tremendous faith uh, kind of watching her go through seven years of chemotherapy and then on her deathbed and, and, you know, also with tremendous faith and trust that Mary would take care of her children, um, that everything was working out for the good. Um, that was another Tom Hanks earn this moment for me. So I learned a lot about Christianity by, by kind of standing at the foot of her cross, so to speak, and trying to follow that example and live in a similar Kind of self-sacrificial way after that. Wow, well, that is one powerful. of her prayer, one of her prayers is, you know, I want to be a co-redeemer with Christ. Well, yeah. you know that you have to kind of get out of your off your, you know, your easy chair and <laughs> you know try to find a way of nailing yourself to some cross. Right. <laughs> Those are big words. <laughs> I mean, I the weight of the words alone, you can feel them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's pretty amazing, but uh, we're, we're just about out of time now, Professor. So, so we, I've, had, I've had eight more children. How about that? <laughs> Praise be to God. Praise <laughs> be to God. Uh, Professor Michael Pakolik has been our guest. Thanks for uh, coming back on our program. Your book, Mary's Voice in the Gospel According to John, is just one of several books uh, from Professor Pakolik. I en encourage you to check it out, but uh, I've really enjoyed you sharing your story today. It is very inspirational. God bless you and God love you, uh, Professor Pakolik. Thanks, Joe, for inviting me on. All right. We'll love to have you back. Uh, all right. So we're going to go to a break, and we're going to come back. We're going to have breaking news and stories with Janelle. Then, of course, Kevin Wells is going to be on the program once again to continue our theme about uh, a legacy of the power of a life well lived. And uh, Kevin will be talking about the heroic life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. All of that coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. What does that mean? Don't hang around with bad people? No, according to G.K. Chesterton, it means something much better than that. He says that there are certain people who, because they are really pure, create a good atmosphere around themselves. They are truly children of light, and the light shines on everything they touch. When a righteous person stakes out a clear position, we recognize that it's something solid and vital and eternal. 
So it's not that hanging around bad people makes us bad, it's that being righteous can help make the people hanging around us righteous too. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle A., and here are your headline news. Lots of headlines today. Groups push for health worker COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Texas sued over law that lets citizens enforce fetal heartbeat abortion ban. Mississippi Health Department blocks Facebook comments over COVID-19 misinformation. Tennessee to stop outreach promoting adolescent vaccines for all diseases, including COVID-19. Schumer is set to unveil huge new federal marijuana legalization bill. Idaho governor warns of megafires, urges public health. Seven Mississippi children hospitalized as Delta variant surges. Democrats reach deal on $3.5 trillion price tag for infrastructure bill. Texas Senate passes voting bill after House Democrats flee state. Cruise Line sues Florida over COVID-19 vaccine passport ban. Federal courts rule that ban on handgun sales for under 21-year-olds is unconstitutional. California Governor Newsom signs $100 billion comeback plan, includes more stimulus checks. Arizona women charged with voter fraud in 2020 presidential election. Over 5,000 signed pledge to continue teaching critical race theory even if outlawed. U.S. consumer prices surge in June. Inflation climbs to 13-year high. Death toll rises to 26 as violence and looting spreads in South Africa. Planes dump water in Siberian wildfires as residents plead for help. Retired Ukraine police attempt to storm parliament. Nike and Adidas suppliers suspends production at Vietnam plant due to COVID. And judge blocks Indiana law requiring doctors to inform patients about abortion pill reversal. From Crooks, experts fear Cuba is preparing a harsh response to recent protests. U.S. theologians and human rights experts on Cuba worried that at any repeat of the widespread protests in Cuba on July 11th may be met with a swift, violent set of state-sponsored reactions. There were already signs the Cuban government had disseminated a multifaceted action plan July 12th that was to last 20, 72 hours. It included shutting down internet communications, as well as deploying plain clothes wearing state police and military personnel to squash further protests following July 11th's massive turnout, according to Elise Miranda. I'm afraid for the people there because of their desperation and willingness to die for a chance to live, said Miranda, a professor of theology and director of accreditation for the Association of Theological Schools a communication that Miranda has seen written in Spanish and circulating among human rights activists, appear to detail the Cuban government's nine-point plan to shut down further civic displays of unrest and called for using whatever means necessary to do so, 
including a large presence of plainclothes police dispatched to mingle among protesters to make arrests. Unless there is a shift in the military and they turn, and I don't see this happening, this will be a very sad moment in our history, Miranda said, pointing out the hardline leadership of Cuban President Miguel Diaz-Canel is a continuation of Raul Castro's presidency. How long can Diaz-Canel hold on to power using these methods if there's a slaughter of the people? He has the support of Venezuela, Nicaragua, and maybe even Argentina to come into Cuba, she said. The tone of the July 11th protests in Cuba was wrapped up in a popular Cuban rap song, Patria y Vida, Homeland and Life. It's a play on the words and a new response to the popular slogan of the Cuban revolution, Patria o Muerte, Motherland or Death. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Wednesday. To God and all things, uh, thank you, uh, GloryAndShine.com, for uh, generously underwriting a portion of our program. I haven't mentioned them in a while, but GloryAndShine.com is a great uh, family-owned company. They uh, they manufacture these uh, like uh, soaps and uh, body care products. I get their beer care products. I'm a customer. Uh, their packaging is pretty darn phenomenal. Uh, the, the way they incorporate the Sacred Heart of Christ, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, it's just quite beautiful. They're family-owned and operated out of Idaho and uh, we're just very grateful for them uh, supporting Catholic Drive Time, gloryandshine.com. Uh, thank you for that. But uh, Kevin Wells is supposed to be our guest. I'm not sure where he's at right now. Hopefully, uh, you know, David and uh, Janelle can be checking on that, and hopefully he'll join us in a moment to talk about the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. He's got a book out called Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Uh, Schwartz I believe it's Ignatius Press. Yeah, it's Ignatius Press. And uh, pretty interesting life, uh, a life, a uh, legacy, uh, you know, the legacy of a life well lived was sort of the theme today. Uh, there is a couple of stories that I would like to bring up uh, if we have the time here. Uh, number one, d- have you heard about what's going on in South Africa? Um, there is violence down there. It's going kind of crazy. Here's an article out of the Epic Times. It says death toll rises to 26 as violence, looting spreads in South Africa. The article reads like this. Authorities in South Africa said that rioting and looting continued on Tuesday with the death toll rising to 32 as the military and police have struggled to deal with the violence across uh, the, uh, the whole area. There's like two provinces down there. The violence appeared to have been sparked by former President Jacob Zuma's arrest for being in contempt of court starting with protests over the decision that later turned into looting and rioting as video footage showed agitators and rioters blocking traffic, setting vehicle fires and buildings um, on fire. Uh, It goes on to say that uh, deaths occurred mainly during the stampedes as people looted food, electronics, alcohol, clothing from shops. Uh, So pretty crazy down there. And what, what, what I guess what I'm also seeing here out of this article is civilians arming themselves, trying to keep the protesters out of their town, hunting down protesters in stores. These are uh, these aren't officers; these are just civilians. Um, we saw some of that during last year. We saw civilians taking up arms and protecting their towns against uh, BLM and Antifa and, and all the rest. But that's going down right now in South Africa. So we should keep them. In our prayers, for sure. Um, some of this news, I don't. Did you hear this news? I don't. I don't know that I always hear this news. I'm always fascinated to find out there's things going on around the world that, like, why? Why are we not hearing this? I, I didn't hear anything about this. Um, here's another story out of LifeSite News. 
The headline reads, Parents Sue Washington, uh, Washington, D.C., for allowing minors to be vaccinated without parental knowledge or consent. The article reads, uh, on Monday, Children's Health Defense and the Parental Rights Foundation filed a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia seeking a uh, seeking a court order to declare that the D.C. Minor Consent for Vaccinations Amendment Act of 2020 is unconstitutional. Plaintiffs are four parents of minor children who attend public schools in the District of Columbia. They seek a preliminary injunction to prohibit the mayor, uh, the D.C. Department of Health, and the D.C. public school system from enforcing the act. The D.C. Uh, Minor Consent for Vaccination Amendment Act of 2020 allows children 11 years of age and older to consent to the administration of any vaccine recommended by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, including COVID shots, without parental knowledge or consent if the medical provider believes the minor is capable of meeting the informed consent standard. Let that sink in for a second. Uh if the minor is capable of meeting the informed consent standard, well, college you is, what's the standard? Number one, number two, minors. Um, do we believe minors are truly capable of a lot of things? Yeah, they're smart. And some minors are more mature than others. There's no question. But in general, minors, there's a reason why God gave minors parents in a, in a, in a perfect world, let's just say, parents who... Um, take their job very seriously and apply themselves to the task, you know, are there to assist their kids to not only just uh, get to heaven, that's their primary task. Your primary task as a parent is to get your kids to heaven. Your One of your secondary tasks, still equal, I mean, not equally, but still very important, of course, is to help your minor someday become an adult who is uh, as a good person as far as society is concerned someone who's balanced can think and logic make proper decisions um there's a reason why god has a design for families and it's not because minors are capable of making life and death decisions all on their own and how do we know well these are life and death decisions well uh, as we've talked about many times in the past with these particular issues there are a lot of troubling issues and related to this that minors should not be forced to have to decide with the pressure of, uh, of, of the faculty of these schools and these departments placing on them outside of their parents' consent, outside of their parents' knowledge. It is rather concerning to me that um, par the parental role is being subverted. The parental role of, of stewarding that child into life, into adulthood, let alone helping them achieve uh, the beatific vision is being subverted right underneath them in uh, in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere. But this is just one example of that. So this is a very concerning story. We need to pray about that. I certainly would not want my children being pressured this way without consulting me first. I mean, as the parent, we ought to have that first say. And uh, and clearly there's uh, there is an agenda there. So let's let's pray about that. Um, there's also another story. And if um, <laughs> did you see this out of Texas? So the Texas Democrats got on a plane, the, the, the state Congress got on a plane, and they fled Texas to avoid having to vote on a, a voting rights bill. The Texas governor uh, threatened to have them arrested, and now there's, there's some uh, question of whether or not what kind of power he has. I find that interesting, almost, almost hilarious to some degree. 
Um, but uh, maybe we can talk about that on the other side of the break. Or there's this other crazy story of a, of a another drag queen story hour type of thing going on in London. So, so much to talk about. If Kevin Wells does join us, we'll dive into both of those stories on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. If you had the chance to sit down for 10 minutes with the world's greatest teacher, would you take it? One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. If you said yes, you're in luck. Go take out your Bible, and you can spend 10 minutes or even more with the Spirit of the Living God. Who is a better teacher or greater expert than the Holy Spirit? In his rule, St. Benedict sends us to the Bible every day, and it's free. Second Timothy tells us all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for refutation, for correction, and for training in righteousness. If we truly believe that the Bible is God's inspired word, what holds us back from turning to it each day? For your free copy of the Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E MinuteMonk.com. If we truly believe that the Bible is God's inspired word, what holds us back from turning to it each day? Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Coming up next hour, if you're at all able to join us, we would love to have you. Uh, we're going to be playing our Fear and Trembling Game show in the next hour, and that's always a lot of fun. We enjoy that quite a bit. Uh, we like to uh, have fun with our listeners and, of course, give out prizes, kind of making it fun. And you don't even need to know the answers to win the game. So if you've never played or hung out with us, one way you can do that is right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can watch uh, uh, and hang out, comment live, and actually be a part of the game show if you like. grnonline.com forward slash CDT is, uh, is the website. There's... Uh, there was, this story was actually in the news yesterday, and I, I, I didn't have a chance to, to discuss it. It's very disturbing, <laughs> very, very disturbing. And um, I'm glad we talk about the disturbing stuff in the early hour, just so that in you know, the less exposure to children kind of thing. So if you have kids in the car, maybe now's not the time to listen, but I'm going to keep this as PC as I possibly can because it really bugs me quite a bit. But... Um, there is a story out of the blaze. It says actor in rainbow colored monkey costume with a fake male member, if you know what I mean, and other parts, a bare bottom even, appears at children's event at London Library. Huh. The pictures are very disturbing. Uh, the article goes on to read, an actor dressed in a rainbow colored monkey costume outfitted with a fake male member. Uh, nipples and bare bottom appeared at a children's event at a library in the United Kingdom, after which outrage erupted. Video and images shared on social media over the weekend showed the member members of the um, Mandinga Arts and Redbridge Libraries Summer Reading Challenge event 
at Good Maze Library in East London, the Evening Standard reported. The paper said that the monkey costume included, uh, as I mentioned now, fake male member, if you know what I mean. Um, I don't know why they keep repeating that. We got it. All right. You said it. I got it. I, you know, I understand now. We don't need to keep repeating the same nonsense. Uh, it goes on to say the event was meant to encourage children to read the Evening Standard added. The event was in, meant to get children to want to read. What in the, why would, what, what would cause, why would a person dressed in a, in a rainbow monkey outfit with such outrageous oversexualized elements how would that at all have any bearing on getting kids to read? I'm just curious. What, like, let's, <laughs> I almost want to stop and have a conversation about higher education. I, I, I get, I am critical of higher education in our world today. We put pressure upon uh, our children to have to go to college because otherwise they won't make anything of themselves. They'll never become anything if they don't have that degree. What does higher education get us if it gets us more abortion, more transgendered confusion, more unethical behavior, more lies and deceit and chaos and war and all the rest? Now, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's not as though education is bad. Education is good. But golly gee whiz, (laughs) they're sending a man dressed like this to help encourage kids to read. How is who's in charge of this situation? The article goes on to say conservative campaigner has uh, Haas Ahmed tweeted, quote, apparently this is meant to encourage kids in Redbridge to pick up reading for the summer. Please tell me the rationale behind the incident, uh, the, the costumes that were shown to families and done so publicly. Is this really necessary? Unquote. So I think what's happening here. Because in, in England, uh, there is a large community of Muslims, and those Muslims aren't very happy about this, and neither should we be as Christians, by the way. The columnist Janice Turner tweeted that she, she quote, would really love a detailed breakdown of the commissioning process, unquote, that let loose, quote, rainbow male part. I don't even want to read that. that I just don't want to read this. This is so disturbing. This is beyond disturbing to me. Um, <laughs> I don't even want to read this. This is so disturbing to me. It's, it's beyond insane to me to see the embrace of this level of confusion, this level of insanity, to place this over-sexualized, confused image in front of children. Is that not child abuse? It really comes across to me in that way. If you could see the image... If you haven't seen it already, I don't know that you should, but if you could see the image of this person dressed in this costume, over-sexualized, how in the world does this uh, help children read, want to read? I just, I don't know. It's uh, it's a sad situation. And unfortunately, this is also happening in America. Drag queen story hours have become a permanent uh, fixture in our country the last several years. Something I'm glad as a kid I did not have to experience uh, but today, more and more, it's uh, it's definitely bec- it's becoming more mainstream, or has become mainstream. So it's rather disturbing. So let's pray, pray for God's uh, will to be done in our lives. 
Uh, David, you're my vintage. Do you remember anything remotely like this as a child? Uh, no, of course not. Uh, it's, it's just crazy how the times have changed. And uh, it just, uh, we, we keep seeing uh, bits and pieces of this just, it seems like it's growing uh, every day. And it's growing across our country, across uh, all the world. This kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, nonsense or, or something that, like you said, doesn't doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense on how it, it makes kids disturbing. want to read. I know, I know. And uh, and what you were just mentioning earlier about parents, you know, parents. That's where we need to step up. You know, that's that's our job. Yeah, but think about. It. I mean, you're you're well educated, David. Uh, you went to a major university in America, one that's hard to get into today. In fact, um, and if you could get into it, it's not cheap either. So think about how the American higher education system. Um, has not prevented this level of insanity in society. Like, what is the point to just going to university if all it is is, is a job? It's Votech. It's all it's become is Votech. I wish you, I, I, this would have been a fun conversation to follow up with Dr. Pakalik, who teaches ethics at CUA. It, what, what is the role of higher education if it's not to help people uh, think properly? to conversate, to come to right conclusions. And how can we come to a proper conclusion? Uh, how does this, this, this person, this group of people, uh, over-sexualized uh, behavior, perverse sexualized behavior in the face of young children, how is this a, a proper conclusion on a natural level? It just boggles the mind. As parents, we ought not to just go uh, skipping down the lane with society's version of things. We ought to take pause and uh, and ask, what is our Lord uh, calling us to do? And in this case, I can tell you, uh, he's going to want us to stand up to this and say no more to this, that we cannot allow innocent children to continue to be confused and le- allow yet another generation to uh, to buy into the lie of the world, the flesh, and the devil. This is really disturbing. But I guarantee, and we're seeing this, that's part of the reason why I brought this uh, story out, is this is, here's a Breitbart version of this story. The headline leads, Labor Grovels After Rainbow Monkey Male Member Guy I just not want to read that. It is so disturbing. Uh, this, uh, this, this crazy event sparks backlash from Muslim parents. And that's the kicker, isn't it? In the Muslim community, you think they're going to just stand around and watch this happen? No, of course not. And do you think that the authorities are going to push back on the Muslim community because they won't accept that? No, they won't. Why is there a double standard there? Why is it that the Muslim community can express their backlash and and uh, they're probably not going to get too much pushback from the authorities that are in charge of this process? But as the Christians, as the Christians, we we will struggle with that um, because we can complain about it and we'll be called bigots and we'll be called you know homophobes and we'll be called all the rest. But in the Muslim community, they can express their their outrage and they will be accepted for it. So there's definitely a double standard in that regard as well. So very disturbing a story here. But one I wish I could say we, we don't have in America, but unfortunately we do. We do. We definitely do have the same issue here. It's very disturbing. It breaks my heart to see little children who don't know either way being uh, being exposed to this. It really is uh, quite, uh, quite uh, troubling to me. Um. 
All right, we have about uh, a couple of minutes left. I just I did mention this before we went to break. Texas Democrat response to governor's threat. I can't get arrested because no crime committed. So this is the story here. This is out of the Epic Times. It says a Texas Democrat lawmaker on Tuesday said she is not worried about Governor Greg Abbott's promise to arrest her and other Democrat lawmakers who left Texas to prevent a special legislative session. It says, quote, I don't worry, because, probably because I know the law, the governor knows the law as well. I'm a criminal defense attorney, and so I understand that I've not committed a crime, so I get arrested. So I can't get arrested, rather. Rep. Jasmine Crockett said she is a Democrat, and she is among the Democrats who got on a plane and fled the, the state in order to avoid voting on a, uh, a voting bill. Now, um, What's interesting, I, I, I mean, it's almost, it's almost laughable, right? So to avoid having to vote because you know you're not going to win the vote, you get on a plane, you leave. I mean, imagine if, if – is this going to be the norm on either Republican or Democrat sides? Is this how it's always going to be? The, instead of filibustering, you're, you're getting on planes, you're leaving the states, you're avoiding, you're avoiding the votes altogether just to, to ensure that no matter who's in majority control, uh, you still get to have your way. I mean – Politics is such it's it's almost juvenile I guess that's that's kind of what I get out of this. Now, I'm sure the governor who's, you know, the governor's not dumb. He knows what he his powers are where the limits lie and he knows what he's capable of. And uh and this article does go on to talk about you know his response to this, what what is possible and I don't know if it's possible they can be arrested. The governor seems to think so. Um but golly gee whiz people. It seems to me um, that we have to stand our ground. We have to face the facts. We have to do our best within the rules that we are given to play. And when we when we don't get our way, we decide we're throwing everything out and we're going to do whatever. I mean, this is not a good trend. The Republicans will use this too, and it won't go well. I just wish it would all stop. I wish I wish we had higher education that taught people how to reason and logic according to natural law. And then I wish everybody would become Catholic before they die. At any rate, that's going to be my rant. Coming up at the second hour, if you want to join us, we're going to have fun. I'm not going to talk about the serious stuff. It's all going to be fun. We're going to give out prizes during the game show this week. Hopefully you can be a part of that. Join us online, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. I love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine has been reading the Left Behind books. Is there really going to be a rapture like these books talk about? No. The rapture refers to a passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 where Christians are caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Many Christians believe, and the Left Behind books promote, that this being caught up to meet the Lord will occur before the Great Tribulation. Christians will simply vanish, meet Jesus somewhere in the air, and then return with Him to heaven to await the end of time. But notice, in verse 15, Paul says that we who are alive who are left shall be caught up. Those who are left get caught up to meet the Lord. The Left Behind books get their name from a passage in Luke 17 and one in Matthew 20. 
24, which compares the coming of the Lord to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Matthew 24 puts it this way. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married, and they did not know until the flood came and swept them all the way. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one is taken and one is left. Two women grinding at the mill, one is taken, one is left. One is taken, one is left. The rapture, right? Jesus takes the Christians, leaves behind non-Christians. Two problems with that interpretation. First, Jesus' coming is compared to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Well, after the flood, who was left? Noah and his family. The good guys, the bad guys were taken. After Sodom and Gomorrah went up in smoke, who was left? Lot and his daughters, the good guys, the bad guys were taken. Second problem, 1 Thessalonians 4 says that those who are left get to meet Jesus in the air. The good guys are left behind to meet Jesus. In other words, you want to be left behind so that you can get caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air and accompany him back to earth at his second and final coming. There will be no rapture like the one the left behind books talk about. That view is not scriptural. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. It is good to be on with you. Good morning. Ah, boy, I'm still feeling pretty rough today, as you uh, may or may not know. Maybe you uh, missed it all week, but uh, Adrian Fonseca is out sick, and uh, he's been sick since uh, last week, and I got whatever he had, so it's been a rough go of it, but we are continuing on. We wrapped up a great conversation last hour with Professor Michael Pakalik. He is a professor of ethics at the Catholic University of America. He has a great story, and I'm so glad he shared it with us today about how he converted from atheism, practical atheism, when he was at Harvard, uh, being saved miraculously uh, in a drowning situation, uh, caught in a riptide. Pretty cool story, and uh, I'm hoping, I don't know, <laughs> not I'm not in the studio because I'm home sick, so I have no idea whether or not we have a good copy of that, and I can post it on our YouTube channel later, but hopefully we'll get, uh, get that up. Um, but at any rate, that was a good conversation. This hour is the fun hour, or the upbeat hour, where we talk about uh, less serious stuff, praise be to God, and uh, we have uh, the game show coming up at 15 past the hour, so if you would like uh, an opportunity to win the prizes this week, uh, we would love to give you that opportunity. All you'd have to do is be our first caller when we give out the phone number. Now, here's the kicker, though. If you've never played before, or if you haven't played and you want to play in a while, you haven't played in a while and you want to play again, you're welcome to do so. Um, the phone number, the rules, all of it is listed on our website, which you can find at grnonline.com forward slash 
CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Um, good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. All good news this hour? All good news this hour. We have news about the Pope, of course. We have news about a, uh, the Franciscan Order and some news about... Um, I, I believe it's about um, some uh, bill or legislation that passed. Uh, so thanks okay. be to God for good news. And uh, who's the the game show prize this week? The game show uh, sponsor for this week is Humble Heart Rosaries. It's owned and operated by Melissa, a Catholic convert, wife, and mother. She specializes in making gemstone rosaries, chaplets, and Catholic jewelry. And Han makes all these products at home while homeschooling her kids. And every portion of every sale is don or a small portion of every sale is donated to the Society of Saint Vincent de Paul. You can purchase from her Etsy shop and follow her on Instagram at Humble Heart Rosaries. And you can win a Hosanna Rosary and a string of Saint Therese sacrifice beads. Thank you, Humble Heart Rosaries, for sponsoring wow. this week's Scream Show. Praise be to God. Thank you, Humble Heart Rosaries. We're grateful. Speaking of which, uh, grateful David Magianis has been getting up early to pitch in to help us continue the program in spite of uh, Adrian being out sick. Good morning to you, David. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Janelle. It's great to be here. And, uh, uh, you know, it's going well. It's going well. Just uh, kind of couple of hiccups back here in the back and I'm trying to work through those and uh but uh but I hope uh dear listeners you guys are enjoying the show and uh great interview we had earlier this morning. Yeah, Professor Pakolik was really good. Glad we had him on today. Uh we were supposed to have Kevin Wells on. Not sure what happened, but uh he didn't make it onto the program, so hopefully we'll have him again. We we'll talk about uh, uh venerable Aloysius Schwartz at some point in the future, but so what we're going to do is we're going to pray, and then, of course, we're going to have the uh, good news with Janelle, and then we'll do Saint of the Day, and today is Saint Kateri Tekekwitha, praise be to God, one of my daughter's uh, favorite saints. Her her patron saint is Saint Kateri, so uh, looking forward to that. And then we'll do a gospel, we'll do the gospel today and the gospel reflection, uh, brought to you in part by verboom.com forward slash grn and then we'll play the fear and trembling game show so that's coming up and again if you want the phone number to call early you are certainly welcome to do so uh, you can find the phone number at grnonline.com forward slash cdt uh, but i will give that phone number out here uh, as we go to break so that's all coming up so let's pray and dive into it and get started in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen amen remember O most gracious virgin mary that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay. The Franciscan Order elects the 121st successor of St. Francis of Assisi. Reported by Crooks, reports say Pope Francis leaves hospital after 10-day stay for colon condition. After a 10-day hospital stay following colon surgery, Pope Francis was discharged Wednesday to return to the Vatican, according to various Italian media reports, where he will likely spend the remainder of his summer resting and continuing his recovery. 
The Pope was admitted to Rome's Gemelli Hospital on July 4th, where he underwent what the Vatican described as a planned surgery for stenotic diverticulitis, meaning a restriction of the colon with possible inflammation or infection of pouches inside the walls of the large intestine. Francis has endured mild ailments such as colds and headaches in the past, and he has also suffers from chronic sciatica, which is often short of breath due to the removal of a part of a lung when he was a young Jesuit. This was his first hospital stay as Pope. Throughout his stay, the Vatican described his condition as normal, saying in daily bulletins that the Pope's condition continued to improve past post-surgery. It was originally estimated that he would stay in the hospital for around seven days following his operation. But the Vatican on Monday said he would be there for a few more days in order to optimize medical and rehabilitative therapy. During his stay at Gemelli, where Pope St. Francis, or sorry, Pope St. John Paul II was also admitted ten times for medical treatment, Pope Francis delivered his July 11th Saturn, Sunday Angelus address from the 10th floor where he from his room was located, used the occasion to pray for Haiti after the assassination of its president and for advocate for universal health care. On Monday night, the Pope also made a brief stop by the pediatric oncology unit, located on the same floor as his own room to spend time with sick children and their families. From the Catholic World Report, Catholic priest in Nigeria who escaped nine-day captivity responding well to medication. Father Elijah Jumawada, a priest of the Diocese of Mediguri, who was abducted June 30th and held for nine days, is generally responding well to medication according to the diocese secretary. Suspected Boko Haram insurgents abducted Father Elijah Jumawada along Damboa Madiguri Road and Brno State, a day after he left his parish St. Paul's in Buma, where he is the father in charge. Father John Bakeni, secretary of the Madiguri Diocese, told ACI Africa July 13th that Father Juma regained his freedom on Thursday, July 8th last week after he escaped from his captives. We thank God for his faithfulness. Our God is alive and on the throne. He will never disappoint us, especially in critical times, Father Bakeni said. Father Juma was not in perfect health when he was freed and has been evacuated to a safe area for medical attention, but as we speak, he is generally responding well to medication. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Janelle Lay. God love you and have a good Wednesday. Our saint of the day is Saint Kateri Tikatawa. She was born in 1656 at Osserville, which is modern-day New York. She is the daughter of a Christian Aliquin woman captured by Iroquois. and married to a non-Christian Mohawk chief. She was orphaned during a smallpox epidemic, which left her with a scarred face and impaired eyesight. She converted and was baptized in 1676 by Father Jacques de Lamberville, a Jesuit missionary. She converted and was baptized in 1776. By, uh, sorry, by Father Jacques de Lamberville, a Jesuit missionary, shunned and abused by relatives for her faith. She escaped through 200 miles of wilderness to the Christian Native American village of Salt, Sainte Marie, 
took a vow of chastity in 1679. She was known for spirituality and austere lifestyle. She is a miracle worker. Her grave became a pilgrimage site and place of miracles for Christian Native Americans and French colonists. She is the first Native American proposed for canonization, and her cause was started in 1884 under Pope Leo XIII. The Tekawatha Conference and International Association of Native American Catholics and those in ministry with them with them was named for her. She died April 17, 1680 at Cognawaga, Canada of natural causes. She was canonized October 21st, 2012 by Pope Benedict XVI. St. Kateri Tekawatha, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things, David. Yeah, do me a favor and bring that uh, way down. It's very loud. Um, but the gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 27. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There were several uh, really great quotes in uh, in the early church fathers in regards to to this passage today. But again, I want to thank verboom.com forward slash grn for helping us uh, with a tool that brings it all together. I mean, I have uh, I have access to some really incredible commentaries uh, that they're all linked together. So when I go to a particular passage you know, in the gospel, it pulls up all of my preferred resources and goes to the point in those resources that reference that, that gospel, that, that verse or whatever. So as I scroll through the gospel, it automatically scrolls through all those other resources at the same time, keeping everything synced and linked together. So it's kind of a very powerful tool to kind of get to the bottom line very quickly into really good stuff too. So the early church fathers, uh, some of my favorite commentaries, for instance, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, Haydock's commentary, the Navarre commentary, all of Excellent. Uh, Cornelius Alapide is in here. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. I mean, there's just so much. You could go on and on and on. It's pretty powerful stuff. But um, St. Chrysostom lately has been really just a very powerful uh, looking at the, the gospel passages. Now, as I said last hour, it's sort of weird because we've been going through Matthew's gospel and, you know, yesterday was all about, you know, woe to you, Chorazim, woe to you, Bethsaida. So there's condemnations going on, you know, in this, in this section of the gospel. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we stop to have a prayer with the Father. And then of our commentary pointed out that this is the first instance of Jesus using Father in his prayer to God. So, wow, that's kind of cool. Praise be to God. St. Chrysostom said he, uh, he interprets this passage as if Christ would say, go on, Father, as you have begun, or the sense may be, I give thee thanks, O Father, that it has pleased thee to act thus, that since the wise men of this world have rejected the gospel, thou hast designed to manifest it to little ones. So this contrast between the wise and the babes, not smart and unsmart, that's not the issue, educated and uneducated, that's not really, you know, the contrast that's being made here. Those that are conceited in power, those that are drunk on on what they can do 
and how they stand in society versus those uh, innocent ones giving their lives to to God in his service. Uh, and so even though these towns in Galilee are, have just been condemned, uh, Corzim, Bethsaida, uh, Capernaum, these are the very towns that Peter and Andrew come from, James and John. You know, uh, so some of the disciples come from these very towns, and these are the babes in which that are being spoken of by by our Lord. Saint Jerome would say, "Christ does not rejoice that it was not revealed to the wise and prudent, but because it was revealed to his little ones." Oh, wow. Saint Jerome goes on to say, "In these words, moreover, he speaks to the Father with the desire of one petitioning that his mercy begun in the apostles might be completed in them." Saint Augustine said, "The Father is revealed by the Son, that is, by his word. For if the temporal and transitory word which we utter both shows itself and what we wish to convey, how much more the word of God, by which all things were made." which so shows the Father as he, as he is Father, because itself is the same and in the same manner as the Father. So Augustine's pointing out the Trinitarian nature going on at the heart of this prayer, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are all present and all equal and all there. Powerful look at a very small passage, but uh, boy, these nuggets are amazing. Thank you, Veriboom.com, for being a part of it. All right, we're going to break. The phone number to call to become our guest is 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. We have complete control. Forgiveness. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Jesus gave us the power to forgive when he poured out the Holy Spirit on us on the day of his resurrection. But we must decide to forgive, acknowledging the wrong done, and seek to set it right. Life according to the rule of St. Benedict can remind us that forgiveness does not mean being friends with the one I forgive. To forgive demands simply that I unbind that person from any claims of vengeance and that I ask God to do the same. In that way, two people are set free, the one who forgives and the one who is forgiven. For your free copy of the rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com, O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. We have all been hurt or wronged by someone. Are we ready to make the decision to forgive that person, or at least to ask God to make us ready one day? Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling, the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot, 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and don't share with anyone what I'm about to tell you. Let's keep this just between us. But we like to do a few things on the Fear and Trembling Game Show. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for questions that have teachable moments. And we always learn something we didn't know before. And that's always awesome. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have fun. And our callers tend to be a good time. They like to laugh with us. And we enjoy that part. 
but we always give out prizes too. So that kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're just joining us and you're new here, here's the kicker. Our callers do not need to know the answers to the questions in order to win. They can still win and not know a single question. Praise be to God. That makes it even more fun. And then what happens is I don't ask them the questions. I'll ask Janelle. I'll ask David. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And then uh, the caller will have 15 seconds to decide who do they trust more, Janelle or David. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. And then, of course, on Friday, we pull out a name and we announce it live on the air. Janelle, what could they win? They can win a Hosanna rosary and a, a string of sacrificed Therese beads from Humble Hearts Rosary. Thank you so much, Humble Hearts Rosie, for um, sponsoring this week's game show. It's a Catholic-owned, um, ca- uh, handmade um, gemstone rosary store. You can get it um, and check out their store at their Etsy shop and check out the page on their Instagram at Humble Heart Rosaries. Thank you, Humble Heart Rosaries. All right. Praise be to God. Uh, for all those that tried to call in today, thank you. God love you. We appreciate that. But let's go to the phones. Diego, good morning. Thanks for calling in. Hello. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, praise be to God, Diego. How old, how old are you? I am 12. 12? And you're calling from where? Uh, Dallas, Texas. Dallas. Now, uh, where do you go to church, Diego? I go to St. Anne in Coppell. I've been, that's the big yeah. dome. Don't you guys have a giant golden dome? Yeah, we have. Yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> well, praise be to God, Diego. Uh, what a beautiful place. Now, have you been listening before? You know how the game is played? Yes, sir. Adrian is not here, but would you say Adrian is trickier than Janelle? Um, sometimes he can be. <laughs> sometimes. Wow. <laughs> Adrian would have loved to have heard you say that. But uh, the good news is David is here, and yesterday his answers were all softballs. So we'll have to see how, how David uh, reacts today. But... Uh, don't don't look at me that way, David. Don't look at me that way. <laughs> you ready to play, Diego? You ready to play the game? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. We're going to go with Janelle first, as is our custom. Janelle, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, I am. I'm very ready. Are you sure? I'm ready to get this question right. All right. Or wrong. Or, or wrong. <laughs> but I can do it Janelle, confidently. can you tell me what famous Catholic painted the creation of man the creation of man yes that is leonardo da vinci leonardo da vinci yes hmm. okay okay hmm. let's go and see uh, what uh, david has to say david can you tell me what famous catholic painted the creation of man all right so a uh, couple of keywords joe you said famous, and you said Catholic. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Michelangelo. Uh, Michelangelo. That he's, guy, too. He's <laughs> famous. He's famous, and he's Catholic. Mm, okay. 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 You're right. But You're right. So is Leonardo da Vinci. Is he? Okay. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Is he? I, I did not know that. I know. Okay. 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 Hmm. Huh. So, so David is on the hook for Michelangelo. And Janelle, you were on the hook for Leonardo da Vinci, right? Yes, sir. Okay. It's a tough choice. 
15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Diego, what say you? Oh, um, I thought one of y'all were going to say God because, well, he technically created me. That's true. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Well said, good sir. But But I guess I'll go with Janelle. Janelle, are you sure? Yes. Survey says... I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Ouch. In fact, uh, it is Michelangelo. So maybe some context would have helped this a little bit. So the image we're referring to is the one up on the Sistine Chapel. When you look up to the center panel on the ceiling above, you see God the Father reaching out a hand to God the Son, and they're like almost touching fingers like that image. And so it was Michelangelo that painted the Sistine Chapel to include the judgment on the panel uh, on the wall behind the altar there. The judgment. And that's the room where they have their conclave and elect popes, by the way. But don't worry, Diego. No worries. We have two more opportunities to get you into the coffee cup here and get you a, a potential prize. So let's see how this goes. Let's go to David this time. David, can you tell me? What term refers to the four basic natural virtues that all other virtues center upon? Okay, so four basic natural virtues. Okay, so it's got to be, Joe, it's got to be the cardinal virtues, and that's my Mm. final answer. Really? Yes. Sounds important, cardinal virtues. Very important. Like cardinals in the church. That seems very high level. Yes, yes, okay. of course. Okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Not like uh, you know, lower lower bird types. Okay. No, mockingbirds, okay. no, uh, you know, okay. uh, blue jays, okay. no. Okay. Definitely not blue jays. Have you seen the blue jays play? I'm just saying. <laughs> um, okay, let's go to Janelle. Janelle, can you tell me? Okay. What term refers to the four basic natural virtues that all other virtues center upon? Ooh, the four basic natural virtues that all other virtues center upon. Mm-hmm. So David said the cardinal virtues, uh, so I'm going to go with the eagle virtues. Yeah, are you trying to trump the cardinals with the eagles? What? <laughs> wow. Now we're going saying football eagles, now. eagles soar higher than, the car- than cardinals, but... Uh, I see where we're <laughs> going here. Okay. We shall see. Hmm. All right. So, Diego, here's the deal. Um, Janelle is on the hook for eagle virtues, and David is on the hook for the cardinal virtues. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Diego, what say you? Oh, uh, I'm going to go with David. Survey says... Woohoo! Yay! Woohoo! Smart decision, Diego. Woo-hoo! Smart decision. Good job. I mean, the e- duh. Where's my duh button? I don't have my duh button available to me when I'm at the house. Duh. The eagle <laughs> virtues. Really? Really? <laughs> Diego, you knew, had... you knew that, right, Diego? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. There you go. Good job, buddy. What You're are the, the cardinal virtues, Mr. Joe? You, what? what uh, you, you tell me. What are the cardinal? <laughs> Maybe Diego can tell us. Do you know uh, them, Bonus Diego? points. But I will say this. Diego, do you know the cardinal virtues? No, I do not. Mm. Don't worry about it, Diego. We're not putting you on the spot. But you know what? On July 4th, which was what, last week? I just yeah. happened to be looking out the back window of my house and saw a bald eagle fly by. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. I, I thought actually, that was um, pretty cool. 
I actually went to San Antonio, I think, like two weeks ago. And yeah. I went to the zoo there, and they had uh, bald eagles there, and they were so beautiful. Aren't they huge? They're humongous. Yeah, they are huge. <laughs> Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, praise be to God. The only time I've seen bald eagles in the wild were like Alaska and Montana and places like that. But uh, not in the backyard of my house in Houston, Texas. I've never no. seen that before. Nope. So that was a new one. Cool. Oh, yeah. All right. You're in the cup, Diego. You could possibly win now. You you might be a winner this week. God's will be done. But let's see if we can double your chances and increase that opportunity. Let's go back to Janelle. Janelle, can you tell me what term refers to the small round skull cap worn by the clergy? A small round skull cap worn by the clergy. That is called a zucchetto. Uh, a zoo, I think otherwise said zucchetto. Zucchetto? Okay. I'm sorry. Pardon my Italian. Zucchetto <laughs> may be a cheese of some kind. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Sounds yummy. Though. I had some yesterday, yeah. <laughs> a zucchetto, you're saying. Zucchetto. Okay. Okay. Mm. okay. Okay. Let's see what, what David could possibly... David. Yes. Can you tell me, what is the term that refers to the small, round skull cap worn by the clergy? Yeah, these uh, these were uh, invented uh, near London. Uh, if you didn't, I didn't know if you knew that really? or not. So they're they're called the snood. <laughs> How does that go? Snood. I'm sorry. One more time. Snood. <laughs> the snood. Snood. A little more uh, uppity. A little more uppity. Oh, I gotta go real. I gotta go like tea time. Snood. Snood. Yeah. Snood. I take a snood. Yes. With a with a zucchetto. A side of zucchetto. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Okay. Final answer. You sound like menu options. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, uh, all right, Diego, here's the deal. Um, David is on the hook for a snood. A little higher. <clears throat> a snood. There you go. And uh, Janelle is on the hook for a zucchetto. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Diego, what say you? Ooh, I'm going to go with um, Janelle. Survey says... Oops, wrong button. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes. You yeah, it. he got it. He got it. He got two it. Two for three. Two for three. Good job. Good job. All Good right. job. Now, okay, truth in advertising, Diego. Did you know that before we were joking? Or, like, was it because we joked no, and you figured I, that I out? Guess, I, I guess. I, I oh, good. Mm. <laughs> a snood. Well, now you know. Yes. A snood. Now you know. The, the skull is, cap, yes. like the little white skull cap the Pope wears all the time, that's called a zucchetto. Oh. Oh. I thought I thought David was sneezing when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> a snood Almost is got actually you. A, Almost um, got you. It's the hood. He, it's another name for a hood um yeah. you can wear. So yeah, it's definitely not a snood, but it's a zucchetto. <laughs> All right, praise be to God. Thank you, uh, uh Diego for calling in. You were a lot of fun today. You're in for two. If it be God's will, your name will come out of the cup on Friday. You'll have to tune in for that. But we're going to put you on hold, Diego, so that we can get your phone number in case it's God's will. That way we can contact you to get you the prizes. But uh, thank you for being on with us today, Diego. Thank you. And did y'all know that y'all are my favorite, second favorite show? All right. Well, praise be Woo. to God. Who's the first? Uh, Catholic Answers Live. Oh, oh, wonderful. Good choice, sir. Good choice. Diego, God love you. Have a great day. We're going to put you on hold now. But that's going to do it for the radio side of our program. After show is coming up next. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time. 
where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we pass out live on the show because uh, we've been hanging on by a thread the whole time. Oh, wait. No, that's not on the agenda. Uh, William Hemsworth says, Good morning, CDT. It's hump day, and I'm praying that John McCain and are getting over the hump of illness. Well, uh, let me tell you. I, wow. <laughs> it, the, the, the situation on the ground is precarious, anyway. It's like every day there's a whole new, um, whole new string of, of symptoms to, to combat. And what's worse is... Because I got sick, so did my wife. And because oh, my wife is oh, no. sick, so are some of the kids. I'm sorry to hear that. So, yeah, well, that's called family life. <laughs> but my wife has gone into full-on, hardcore, you know, uh, uh, triage mode, right? Like, So my wife's uh, pretty awesome at, at uh, caring for, for the family. So when, as soon as I got sick, she, you know, she has a regime that she, she follows, and she... She busts out all of her tools in her tool bag, and she starts working, working the protocols, and she's amazing that way. But uh, who helps mom when she's sick? That's the question. I know. I know. I sense there's a big pot of chicken soup uh, just brewing in the background there, uh, Joe, and we'll start seeing the uh, steam coming to your <laughs> office. And, uh, I wish. And uh, it'll make you better. Don't I wish, but no. Unfortunately... Um we haven't had any chicken soup. They, my family, they're weird. They like to make. Uh, <laughs> they like the, there's a there's a. They call it Uncle Jerry's beans. It's like a bean soup, and I'm not a big fan. So really? I had, yeah, I've decided beans. eating is overrated, and I just haven't eaten in a few days. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, eating is for. I mean, I carry lots of extra fuel storage on board anyway. So, like a like a camel, I could have survived the apocalypse. All you skinny people are dying off quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, all right, I am uh, struggling through this today as best I can. But um, uh, Marina, Marina, good morning to you. David O'Gray was on earlier. I'm not sure if he's still listening, but uh, boy, he was hammering us early on Tekakwitha. Kiri uh, Tekakwitha. Take which, a, uh, take a David, that. boy, you struggled through that one, man. I know. I, I didn't know which dialect to use, and some Spanish <laughs> Spanish was coming out, and I was trying to be French, and now uh, forget it. <laughs> is it French, or is it the uh, Huron tribe, or like... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's hard to tell. Uh, Teresa Vavala, good morning to you. She's been hanging out at her house this uh, this week since we're all sick. She's been staying home. Christopher Velasquez, Susan, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Jeff Burrier, Monica Cortez, good morning to you. Paul... Paul Waslek, our friend from uh, Buffalo. Um, let's see who else is here. Mr. Thomas Anderson. Praise be to God. Um, I did get some sleep last night. It's great. Good. Um, I got. I slept a. I, I took some pretty good naps yesterday during the day, thankfully. But uh, I got better sleep last night than I did the night before. The night before, I didn't get any. Good. So that was at least helpful. Yep. But I I could go to bed right now. <laughs> 
Like easy, I could close my eyes and just say goodnight. We got 27 minutes, so uh, hold on. Just hold on. We'll be there. I know. You know, and things are obviously way out of whack now. Um, you know, today was a struggle technically on the show again, which is unfortunate. We had a lot of issues. But some other things, you know, like uh, coordinating our guests, you know, that was kind of a struggle. So Kevin Wells didn't show up till five minutes till, <laughs> you know, till the end of the program. Can't really have a conversation with Kevin at that point. So unfortunately, we'll have to reschedule him. Um, you know, it's a lot of trouble there. And plus, we're not we're now we're right now, as of right now, unless Janelle's contacted Adrian, I don't we're not we're not uploading videos like we typically do. Typically, we we are all about uploading videos all week long. Well, we haven't done that, so our YouTube channel is going to take a big hit, and it was already a struggle to begin with, so that's no fun. Um, you know, I'm trying to get to... With YouTube, YouTube's weird. When we first started Catholic Drive Time, I tried to find a different strategy. My digital strategy was 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 hoping and praying that we could leverage some different platforms versus put so much effort on the youtube side um there's upsides and downsides to youtube as we've talked about a bunch of times the censorship being among the biggest of the downsides but some of the more practical downsides to the to the youtube game is it is a lot of work (laughs) there it's it's a full-time job just on youtube side and i spend a lot of my time off of the show trying to do the youtube work actually um adrian will typically upload he'll edit and upload interview segments to our channel and then i'm going through trying to optimize content and um and build the channel that way and because catholic drive times youtube channel is very young it's very new we only have like almost 700 followers subscribers i think i forget i think it's just under 700 well youtube they're like a casino the way YouTube works. Now, I, I reverse-engineered YouTube's algorithm um, a, a few years back. I spent, I did a project where I was focused on trying to figure out how YouTube actually worked. So I, I came up with a theory, and then I tested my theory, and, um, and I learned a lot in the process. And the way it works is YouTube is kind of like a casino. They are the house, and the house does not make bad bits. They do not. They're not in the business of losing. So their algorithm is designed, uh, and its primary function is to deliver content to viewers that will binge watch that content on the platform itself. So that's where it's primarily geared. So you watching YouTube content embedded some other place, it's less interesting to YouTube than you watching content on YouTube.com, binge watching a ton of it, and they they reward and punish content creators based on that behavior so if you go look at a video on youtube and you're in the video let's say the video is 10 minutes long and you've watched three minutes to five minutes of it and then you click off and you go away from youtube.com completely youtube will punish that creator because you left um and that's just the way it goes if your content if a, if 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 the video that you watch leads you to watch another hour worth of content on YouTube, irregardless of whose content that is, YouTube rewards that creator because you brought that customer to the table. So what happens is um, new channels, 
like ours are in a probationary period. They make you earn it the hard way. So until you get to 4,000 watch hours, they do not recommend your content very often to people. Uh, you, you do not get access to, to the audience all that much. So it is, it is a slugfest to get to 4,000 hours. Now, it's possible to, some people do it faster than others, uh, and, um, and that's good, praise God. But it is a difficulty. So the goal is to get to 4,000 hours in hopes of more opportunity will be open to us at that point to reach a, a bigger audience digitally. Because my goal for the Guadalupe Radio Network is to help build the next 20 years of our apostolate by building the digital platform, by building the digital audience. So focusing on, we've been focused now for 20 years on a radio audience, and I'm focused, now I'm trying to build the next 20 years on a digital audience. So we have, we have our GRN um, YouTube channel, which is the one you're watching. Like if you're on YouTube right now, um, hanging out with Paul and Mr. Thomas and Jeff Burrier and Monica and the rest, well, that is the GRN online channel, and that's where we live stream. But we upload the interview segments, just the highlight reel of the interviews. We upload those to the Catholic Drive Time YouTube channel, and that's the one I'm referring to. So, and what's going to happen now is this week that we have not been uploading content there is YouTube will begin to punish us for not doing that. So this is the da- so like I said, there's ups and downs to the YouTube. The upside is, uh, and this used to be a lot easier in 2017. All bets were off when they changed the way that the the, the algorithm worked. Uh, it used to be really easy to grow your channel super fast and reach big audiences. And then in 2017, they issued a new algorithm in conjunction with Facebook and Twitter and other platforms that introduced censoring and coordination. And, uh, and then it became a little more difficult. So it's possible still to grow a great audience. And unfortunately, as much as I would say Gab and BitChute and, and all these other platforms will help us to to overcome that, it turns out that none of them are performing anywhere near as good or as close uh, as, as what YouTube can still do for us. The problem is it's hard, it's a lot of work, and we can be censored <laughs> on YouTube. So it really is, uh, it really is difficult. So now we're going to see a decline in the work that we've been put, building up to. So that's unfortunate. We'll have to just simply uh, resign to God's will and Start over and keep cranking. That's just going to have to be the way it is. Mr. Thomas says, I noticed that Catholics like entertainment. It is sad to say, but people come to church when the church has content like it's a circus that keeps them entertained. Yes, I agree with you, Mr. Thomas. But however, I would say this, though. Um, if, I had, uh, if I had David Magianis money, right? Well, what? Like Bill Gates. You know, George Soros kind of cash. How about this? Richard Branson cash. Holy mm. smokes. Did you guys see the the, the Virgin Atlantic uh, thing launch into space the other day? Yes. Yes. I mean, Richard Branson, this guy, this guy I don't know. How, how old is this guy? What is he, 400 years old? <laughs> um, he, he uh, this guy goes in, in top style, doesn't he? I mean, he, he, they takes the crew, they launch into space. They're all floating in their little space plane and then they come down. But did you see like all the PR photos and videos that they took for the event? I mean, <laughs> they're all looking in their space suits, looking all, you know, arms folded, looking all serious, you know, it just, it's, it just, it, it's so hilarious to me how much effort they put into, uh, 
into the package, the packaging of the, of this event. But if I had his kind of cash, I would create content that was not all serious. I would create shows just like the one we're doing that does a, uh, it informs, it educates, it, it calls a spade a spade. It deals with scandals in the church, outside of the church, but it also talks about fun things too. I would do that for sure, but I would create entertainment. I would put a tremendous amount of money and resources into creating entertainment too because the human person is not so straightforward, so black and white, so uh, myopic as to only like the news or only like this or that. Like We're more complex creatures than that. We need to be entertained and we need to be informed. So I would create entertainment. I would spend money on high-level entertainment, but, but entertainment that is Catholic to its core uh, with you know excellent writing and excellent production. If I had the money, I would totally, totally invest in that. I would uh, I would create movies and short films and television shows, comedy that that can be watched by the whole family, um, not comedy that is uh, has innuendos in it that are only applicable to mom and dad, but the kids are still in the room. Like no, uh, uh-uh. uh. So all these Catholic comedians that we all rave about who are still telling dirty jokes and living, you know, I mean, like, what, what is this? No, uh-uh. Like, surely there are funny people in this world who can tell jokes that the whole family could laugh to. Like, I would encourage that. I would find those people, those talented people, and uh, and work with them. If I had the cash, I would totally do that. So, Joe, let me ask you, why are we not there yet? Or are we – or? Or in your viewpoint, are we making progress to get to that point? Well, the problem is it's not cheap, right? It's just not it's not inexpensive to do things at the kind of level that I would envision. Like for instance, you've got you got production companies in Italy who still make films on the Saints. Those films tend to be in Italian. <laughs> so Ignatius Press, for instance, is among those that will buy those films and then have English uh, uh, dubbed on top yeah. and a new soundtrack incorporated, and they get released in America. Uh, you can watch those films on the um, Augustine Institute's uh, formed.org website, which is great. I love formed. My family likes formed. Yes. Uh, we've watched content on there quite a number of times. It's good stuff. Um, the, but if like I watched the courier, have you seen the courier? Uh, uh, no, I have not. No. Benedict Cumberbatch. No. Um, I was saying this yesterday or was it the day before? I forget. I don't know. It was this week. Yes. It was. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, um, they don't make films like this anymore. Like very too, too rarely in my opinion, like 1917. Good film. Yes. Good film. Right. Um, the courier. It's a good film. Just too infrequent, though. Right. We need films at that level that are solid, Catholic, inspirational. They don't have to be overtly Catholic every time. But, like for instance, I would love to make films about certain heroic figures that uh, that are Catholic. Uh, Ignatius of Antioch being among them. Um, Roy Benavides, uh, somebody I've hero out of Vietnam, somebody I met, Medal of Honor recipient. I would love to make films about them. Uh, where the Catholic faith played a role in their lives, but the main story plot is not about their Catholic faith. But films like that should only be done at super high level. Right. You need you need you need the best uh, cinematographers and production design people and directors and producers and editors and lighting grip and you know 
the problem is we never have the money to do that. And the people who have the kind of like, like the left, right? The, the, the hardcore left who, who invests in Hollywood films, like, uh, the, the big folk, the big names with the big bucks, you know, they're not interested in making films that inspire, build up, uh, you know, support, uh, natural law and society. They're interested in quite the opposite. So we just don't have the financial backers who say, here's my millions, go do something special with it. Um, we need, you know, if I had, if I had the George Soros money, if I had the Richard Branson money, I would, you know, or Elon Musk money, I would be creating a, a, a you know, for the GRN brand, I would be creating a digital, a digital empire of content that is just, it addresses everything. It's going to be, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be inspired, entertained, informed, everything in between. Um, there's just great opportunity out there to do something special at a high level. The problem is uh, you can't afford it. You just can't afford it. I mean, because you're going to need more than just talent. You're going to need resources. and I mean, it's just, there's so much to it. That's why it doesn't happen. So the, so what happens is you get pockets, you get pockets, like for instance, a movie to movement, those guys, we've had them on in the past. Um, they, they help produce some good films. Um, some of them didn't get grave reviews, but I appreciated the effort. You know, Bella was a great film. Um, of course, uh, little boy, I don't think it got the best reviews, but I liked a little boy. I thought they did great. I thought they they put uh, they put a lot of effort into it. And I thought it was a good story. Um, that's what you know. I would take that if I had the cash. I would try to hire the professionals that could take that to the next level. Problem is we don't have it, so we we just do we do what we can. But the problem is we're never going to reach that next level. I think unless we unless we up the up the game up the game. Mm-hmm. All right, Tammy says, uh, Joe, I pray God shows you a way to do what you want for the good of others. It would be nice if someone looking to fund something wholesome contacted you. I'll be praying. Yeah, amen. Amen. It would be nice, but it doesn't have to be me. I mean, it's not, it's not specific to me. I'm sure there are plenty of people who have the same vision as I do. I'm just just saying what I would do if I had the resources. You know, God, God uses us in the way he wishes, and we, we are where we are. Uh... I am I'm struggling today guys. It's a it's a challenge for me today. Let's see uh Genevieve, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Mr. Thomas Anderson says uh, Richard Branson's only se- he's only 70? <laughs> I don't <laughs> only know. 70. The cryogenic chamber that he lives in, I'm sure is older than 70. Uh, <laughs> if well, he looks good for 70. I'll put it that way. He still looks very good. But um I thought he was older to be honest. He's a crazy man. He's an adventurer. Yep. Um, what else? What else is going on? I'm trying to read some through some of these comments. Uh, Janelle, do you have any? Uh, you see anybody out there too? Do I see anyone? Um, I saw Jonah. Good morning, Jonah. Um, and uh, someone was asking on the Facebook side. Um, Don was asking if they, he, you um, if you would prefer um, for them to watch on YouTube or on Facebook. Uh, that's a good question, Don. Thanks for asking that. And I think it's fine for both. I mean, uh, we, we want to, we want to be successful as we can on both platforms. So if you prefer Facebook, stay on Facebook. If you prefer YouTube, stay on YouTube. That's completely fine. We're, you know, having to play both ends of that perspective. So we're happy to have uh, an audience both ways. By the way, thank you, Keith, Bradley, Dunn, and Christopher Velasquez for sharing our content. This morning on Facebook, we're very grateful to you uh, for doing that. 
uh, as well as Glenn, good morning to you. And thank you for sharing our content. Um, I wish I, you know, the reality is these platforms, they do not appreciate us, you know, commenting and being critical of things like uh, their drag queen story hours, for instance, (laughs) (laughs) or talking about vaccines. They don't like that either. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they just don't like and their algorithms are designed to listen for that stuff. And then, and then of course, uh, you know, flag or, or penalize or something. So, uh, and the reality is like YouTube is owned by Google. And so you have the largest search platform on planet earth own owning the second largest search platform on planet earth. That's YouTube. And every video that gets uploaded to their platform is automatically uh, transcribed. And so whether you want it to be or not is not the point. YouTube automatically transcribes every single video. So they know what you're saying in the video. Now, the idea is um, you're saying things that allow the platform to better connect your video to the audience. So what are they searching for versus what you're saying? So they, they can know what's in the video and they can make a decision. Again, they're a casino. They're, they're like the house. They're not going to make bad bets. So, uh, but, they're, uh, but the downside to that reality is they know what's in your video and now they can censor you based on the list of things they don't like. So as much as we're, we, I have to put the effort into building the audience on these platforms because this is where the audience is, the reality is the future is going to be uh, a very a real risk of not being able to be on these platforms at all. We've seen deplatforming happen. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, we are going to be we we did book or we're going to be booking um, uh, Patrick Coffin back on the program. The last time we had him on, we got in trouble. As a matter of fact, <laughs> Patrick Coffin got us uh, flagged by YouTube uh, for having him on because they deplatformed him and we had him on. So, uh, but he, we're booking him back. Now, today, we're supposed to be talking to Matt Walsh at 11.15. So we're going to be recording that, hopefully, and and that'll be available for our show and our CDT insiders um, later. But um, at any rate, I'm sure, like most of the audience, is probably not interested in the the, the reverse engineering of YouTube's algorithm. I wish it was easier, but it's not. It used to be super easy. 2014, 2015, oh, man. I, I could build an audience fairly easily on YouTube in those days. Now it's it's work. It, the competition is higher, of course, um, but so are all the other stakes. Don says Red Skeleton was one of those comedians. You remember you remember Red Skeleton, David? I do. Wow, that's a name from the past. Wow, Janelle, do you do you know who Red Skeleton is? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm too young. <laughs> uh, Red Skeleton was a good comedian. You're going to have to YouTube Red Skeleton. You'll have to see it for yourself. Um, But yeah, definitely a good example of that. Uh, What else? What else is going on out there? Big praise from Jesus Robles today over on on Facebook. Jesus Jesus Robles says, uh, uh, Joe, we love you, sir. Mr. Magallanes, you rock for stepping up. Janelle Leigh, hang in there with the rugged guys in the (laughs) studio. Rugged guys, there's only one. (laughs) Uh, David, yeah. I'm not even there. Uh, yeah, it's true. That's right. That's Just right. keep bringing Mary's sweet voice into the CDT Catholic Dream Team show. <laughs> so I didn't feel much like a Dream Team show today to me, but okay. Uh, today today was a struggle for me. Um, 
I'm having a, speaking of struggle, it's like part of it is just the technology is like the setup is different than at the studio. So I'm like having to adjust to it constantly. It feels like, ah, uh, praise be to God, Tammy. Thanks for your encouragement. I appreciate that. There's a lot I would do. I would do a ton of stuff. Retreats, family retreats. I've talked about that in the past. I would definitely do that too. Has Jesus Robles heard anything from Adrian? <laughs> I laugh, Mr. Thomas Anderson, at that question because uh, I uh, I think it's funny that you think Jesus Robles would be the direct connection to Adrian. <laughs> because obviously Adrian pays Jesus off to say good things about him. You know, we all know that. But uh, yeah, there you go. No, I, I texted Adrian yesterday. Um, and all he said was he is able to eat food <laughs> now. So he's apparently getting a little better anyway. Uh, getting a little better. So oh, we'll have to, we'll continue to kind of reach out to him. Hopefully we'll get him, get him to the point where he can at least participate in the conversations or something here in the next day or so. That's the goal anyway. But uh, when I texted him yesterday, he said he's feeling a little better doing better, able to hold down food. Praise be to God. Well, good. Uh, so we got roughly five minutes in the show, Joe. So any any last uh, thoughts on your heart or mind? Or, oh, man. You know, um, uh, a lot of crazy things happening. Uh, I mean, you touched upon uh, what's happening with our the, in Texas and the you know, the Democrats flying to Washington, D.C., that's a crazy story. And uh, national news picked up on that pretty quick. And uh, funny comments, you know. What do you think is going to happen if the governor does have them arrested? That is going to spark a crazy backlash. It will. It will. Uh, Could you put, imagine, though, like, because now that the Democrats are running all three branches of government at the federal level, Imagine if the Republicans try to do something similar at the federal level. Right. Like, I wouldn't want that, even no. though I would want to put a stop to some of the crazy uh, progressive you know, things going on. Um, but it's like getting rid of the filibuster is a bad idea. Right. So stacking the Supreme Court, terrible idea. You know, um, it's just not going to go well in the long run. I agree. And, I agree. But what's he going to do? Is he actually going to arrest them? I don't know, man. I don't think so. And uh, is that has that been confirmed that he can do that? Uh, His response to this Democrat on the Epic Times article was that he, in fact, can, and he laid out a procedure in which that's possible. Okay, so um, I don't know. So it is possible. I don't think he'll do it. And uh, I think, uh, but I think he's making a point that you know we all have a job to do. And yeah. let, let's just get through it, because uh, he also said uh, he'll he'll call another special session, uh, and he'll continue doing that until we get this through. So, <laughs> you know, that's crazy. Well, as long as the people are willing to keep giving them private flights, <laughs> <laughs> then I, you know, maybe he can run down their bank account to the point where they're like, okay, I can't afford these private flights anymore for all you people. <laughs> I know, I know. So uh, it's crazy. It is. Then they'll, really- then they'll go to Greyhound buses or something, and maybe that'd be good because then they'll know what it's like to travel. Travel on Greyhound buses. How many people have you ever been on a Greyhound bus? I have not. No. Never? Never. Your whole life? No. Okay. I'm now I'm curious. Uh we have a couple minutes left. Uh how many people have actually taken a Greyhound bus ride in their life? Uh leave it in the comments if you've ever been on a, a Greyhound bus. 
Probably not the Greyhound brand, but probably other big buses. Um, no, no, no. I'm not talking about like the fancy coach buses. <laughs> oh, not those. Like not the high end stuff, you okay. know, where only privileged people get to ride in <laughs> comfort and style like Janelle or David. I'm talking about the, uh, the, 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 the good old fashioned. Uh, did, have they cleaned that toilet out in, in the last six months? I'm just curious. Greyhound buses. Oh. Uh, man, I have, when I was a kid, we used to ride those things and, uh, they, they can be a rough experience. And I think they were better when I was a kid than they are today. And today they're pretty rough. They're pretty rough. Now it'd be great if our representatives could, uh, you know, live within their district. That might be interesting. Might be. Or, or take public transportation like the people who live in their districts do. And uh, so maybe next time they want to leave the state in order to avoid having to vote on certain things, maybe they should take public transportation out of town rather than a private, comfortable jet, which they didn't wear masks on, by the way. Right. Um, so maybe that would have changed some attitudes along the way. Did you see the comment from Buddy? Yeah, it says it's in the Texas Constitution that governor can arrest. Yeah, the governor, as I said in the article, the governor laid out a case in which that uh, might be the, 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 the potential outcome. But my question of my buddy says uh, he's been on a Greyhound. Yeah. It, did you have fun, buddy, on the, on the Greyhound? It's an interesting experience if you've never been on a Greyhound, especially these days. It can be very Greyhound. Greyhound bus terminals in major cities are less than optimal. Let's just say that. Mr. Thomas on YouTube uh, recalls uh, several accounts of unpleasant experiences <laughs> riding Greyhounds. <laughs> I don't know if you saw, I've seen them yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> he said yes, people have vomited you know, on Mr. the Thomas. bus. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And he also said someone was taken off the bus and arrested in Armourette. Amarillo. 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 When I traveled Greyhound. Oh, yes. Yes. Good old Greyhound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, we should require. This is what I say. You know, uh, when we send people to represent us in government, they they shouldn't. You shouldn't get rich. You shouldn't own a mansion. You shouldn't be able to buy a mansion because of your public service. You live as uh, common folk. You know, you. I, I don't know. We just uh, they, the, we set these people up. And they live pretty good lives, at least at the federal level. Uh, the state level, I can't speak to so much, but maybe take Greyhound next time and see what your uh, your opinion is of things after that. Who knows? That could change a lot. But uh, at any rate. All right. Time, to, time for a nap. Time to go back to bed. I'm tired. Feeling pretty queasy. Tomorrow, but we do actually later today, as I said, we're going to record Matt Walsh. So hopefully, pray for us that that goes, that conversation goes really well. We're going to talk about his book, Church of Cowards. Tomorrow, we have Roy Showman. I'm not sure who our second guest is tomorrow, but hopefully, we'll have that all worked out today. And then uh, I don't know that we're going to be able to play Michael Knowles unless uh, David and Janelle are working on putting Michael Knowles into the playlist. But uh, George Newmeyer uh, is supposed to be our guest on Friday as well so still some great content coming up this week but uh, God love you thanks for hanging out with us we'll see you then